It is so good to be with you, and, and thank you for making us feel welcome. You already have done that. Uh, we got to hang out with the Young at Heart crowd last night, and let me tell you, they are younger at heart than I am. Um, they're, they're just a great group of people. Our girls cleaned up with prizes, and they came out to the car, and they said, hey, we like those people. And I said, of course you do. You came out like with stuff all over you. So uh, thank you so, so much. We're glad to be here, and we appreciate each of you. You know, many of you um, I don't know yet. I mean, that's obvious. And so, uh, obviously, I wouldn't know what we may or may not have in common, you know, on a, on a personal level. Uh, but despite that, there is one thing that I know for sure that every single one of us has in common, regardless of, of differences in opinion or, or background differences, regardless of personal preferences. And whether you're here today and you've been following Christ your whole life, which probably describes a lot of you, or you're here today and you've never committed your life to Christ, which I'm sure also describes some of you, there is one thing, one thing that we can all identify with, and that's, that's this right here, chains. Chains. We can all identify with hard, cold, merciless chains. And, and the chains I'm talking about are the chains of sin. Chains of sin. At some point, we've all been chained to sin. It's a universal and an easily observed truth that, that we're all born into sin. To be a human being is to be born into sin and to be held captive by it unless we surrender our life to Christ and embrace the freedom and the salvation that He alone provides. That's the only thing that changes that fact. And sadly, even after embracing Jesus as Savior, from time to time, we can begin to kind of put those chains on again. We can begin to, to be chained up again. Uh, it happens by willfully yielding to sin from time to time, choosing that, by hanging on to the guilt of past failures and mistakes rather than believing we are forgiven and, and going forward, or by clinging to self-righteousness and having a legalistic mindset. For the Christian, all of that is really just tying the chains that, that Christ broke already back together again and, and slipping them on. And that's crazy, right? It's crazy to do that. It doesn't make any sense. But it's so very easy to do, isn't it? So easy to do that. So easy to fall into the trap of being chained all over again. Um, the really good news, though, for all of us, no matter where you are, no matter what your background may be, no matter what chains you might personally be struggling with today, the really good news for all of us is that no matter how strong the chain may seem, no matter how impossible it is for us to break free, no chain is ever too strong for Jesus to break. And no one is ever too broken for Jesus to change. Isn't that great? No chain is ever too strong for Jesus to break. And no one is ever too broken for Jesus to change. And that is so important to understand. That is so important to believe. And, and I'm, I'm willing to bet that some of you here today, you've believed the opposite. Somewhere along the line, you have, you have either convinced yourself or someone has convinced you that the opposite is true. 
that, that there are chains that are just too strong to be broken, and that you might be too broken for Jesus to change. Let me tell you something right now. That is not the voice of God. That is the voice of the enemy, and it is a lie. It is a lie. The man in the passage that we're going to look at saw just how true that is. Saw that firsthand. And I pray everyone here will clearly see that as well. Whether you hear that for the first time or you just hear that as a needed reminder. Either way, I pray that it will, it will sink in and you will see it just as powerfully as the man we're going to look at has seen it. So with that in mind, grab your copy of God's Word, whether that's digital or paper. doesn't matter if you have a phone or a tablet or a hardback Bible. It just doesn't matter. It's the same Word of God. And so in that, go over to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, that's where we're going to be together today. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 20. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I'm going to have it on the screen for you too, so you can follow along that way. And here we go. Verse 1, Mark 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. And the they here is the disciples and Jesus. The disciples and Jesus. And and what had just happened was the, the famous calming of the storm on the sea. You know, when the the waves were crashing and the wind was blowing and they said, we're going to die, don't you care, Jesus? And he gets up and he says, stop it. You know, it's like, wham, silence. That's what just occurred. And so they, they go across the Sea of Galilee to the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs. Now, if, if I were the disciples, I would be gone, you know? I'd be like, all right, Jesus, you've got this. I'm back in the boat. I mean, somebody comes running at me as soon as I set foot on the shore, and he's living in the tombs where dead things are. No, not happening. Uh-uh. No, you know right away it's a bad day, you know? And, and so I don't know if that happened to them or not, but we do know that uh, the rest of the passage is just Jesus talking, so maybe that's where they are. I don't know. But uh, he lived in the tombs, this man. No one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And it's important to understand here that that he may have broken the chains that the people put on him to bind him as kind of a uh, band-aid solution. You know, that's what it was. The chains that they put around him, it was just a band-aid. It didn't solve the problem. It didn't, it didn't address the main solution. He was still very much enslaved, this man. He was still very much chained. Back to the text. And always, night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. This is one seriously messed up guy, right? I mean, this is not the guy you take to Starbucks. doesn't happen. No, he's the local urban legend. He's the town monster. That's who this guy is. He's the guy that the boys use for their dares with one another. Like in a Christmas story, you know, the pole, uh, stick your tongue on it, I dare you, I double dog dare you, all that. Uh, It's a good movie. Anyway, um, it's like that. He's he's that, you know. He's, He's the town pariah. But something's about to change. Something's about to change in a big way. Something's about to change that will make not only his life, but those around him changed forever. Nothing will ever be the same. Look at verse 6. When he saw 
Jesus. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he knelt down before him. That had never happened before. He wasn't in the habit of kneeling down before people. But when he saw Jesus, he did. He ran and knelt down before him and he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he, Jesus, had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. Now, that would have been said in a much scarier voice than I just did it. I'm sure, I mean, you know, this is a demon-possessed man. I mean, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, shrieking and screeching. I mean, it would have been some serious stuff there. And if the disciples had stayed with Jesus, if it were me, I'd be gone to the boat at this point. You know, just hearing all that. Uh, we don't know how it sounded, but we do know that's what was said. And verse 10, And he, the demon-possessed man, kept begging him not to send them out of the region, the demons. Now, a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside. And the demons begged him, send us to the pigs so we may enter them. And he gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. Oh, that, that's just awesome to me. I mean, you know, if, when we get to heaven, you know, we all have these things that that we think about now we want to see or we want to ask God about or ask this person about. You know, and, and most likely none of that will still matter you know, when we're there. We'll just see Jesus and that'll be enough. But if God allows me to remember that I want to see this, I want to see the DVR of that. You know? like, I just want to sit there and just... Bloop, bloop. I mean, see, can you imagine the scene? These pigs, you know, just running down the hill, 2,000 of them, and then bobbing up and down in the water. You know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, don't you see it? You see it too, right? I don't know. I just, I have a weird sense of humor, okay? Um, I, I would really love to see that scene uh, in scriptural history. But uh, that's verse 13. And um, I, I just want to, to sh- share with you that there are some really powerful things that we see going on here. And, and the first thing this, this passage powerfully shows us is that true and lasting freedom can only be found in Christ. True and lasting freedom can only be found in Christ. I mean, the, guys, the, the, the guy had band, uh, chains and shackles put around him, and, and the town people tried to do that, obviously, repeatedly, the text told us. But it, it didn't change anything. He was still chained. It was still just a Band-Aid. Because true and lasting freedom can only be found in Christ. And, and we see that right away here in this passage. I mean, within a couple minutes of meeting Jesus, he's already a different person. You know, he meets Jesus for the first time, and within minutes, he's truly and totally free. And the reason that is so important for all of us here to understand is because there are always going to be things in our life, as well as in the lives of of others that we care about, that are just impossible for us to fix. They're impossible for us to fix always going to be that way. No matter how hard we try or how good we think the solution that we come up with may be, no amount of programs or clever strategies will truly break the chains of sin. No amount of of legislation or, or political systems, no matter how good they may seem to you, will break the chains Neither deciding to just try harder, you know, self-effort, self-strength, 
or deciding that things are just never going to change. You know, I, I might as well just give up and, and accept my weakness, accept my fate. This is just the way I am. Neither one of those mindsets will break the chains of sin. Only the power of Jesus can break the chains of sin. That's it. Only the power of Jesus. And each of us, each of us here, regardless of your background, regardless of, of where you are in your walk with Christ, each of us here has to choose personally choose to surrender to that power. We have to really believe, I mean really believe, that the power of the Lord Jesus is greater than the power of our past failures and is greater than the power of our present temptations. Always is. We have to constantly surrender just to, to every, every part of our life has to be constantly surrendered to him and to his control, not ours, not someone else's. Every part of our lives has to be surrendered to him and his control. That's the key to experiencing continual freedom and continual victory rather than continual enslavement and continual defeat. That's the key. Surrender to Christ. It's all found in the gospel. It's all found in the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done, who he is. My friends, that's the good news, that our local community here and the outside world needs to hear Christ's church constantly proclaiming and consistently living out. Now more than any other time. Do you believe that? I mean, you look around in our area, and it is broken. I mean, our, our little community here of, of Beckley, West Virginia, and the surrounding areas, we rank the highest in the, the area our size in the entire country for drug-related crime. It should not be. It does not have to be. You look at our outside world. Things are not good. Things are not getting better. Things are bad. Things are getting worse, Right? I mean, every single time you, you pick up a newspaper or you go online or you watch the news, it is nothing but furthered just depression and, and calamity and trouble everywhere. People are desperate for a real and a lasting hope. People are desperate for a real and a lasting change and freedom, and it can only be found through the gospel. Do you believe that? Oh, the need is great. The need is great. And the timing is urgent. True freedom can only be found in Christ. Well, let's jump back in the text. Uh, picking up in verse 14, we're back with the, the scene that had just happened. You know, there's the pigs probably still blobbing up and down, blah, 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 blah. And the, the people that are responsible for them, the, the owners, they, they're just running away and they're, they're trying to go get some help. They're trying to tell people what happened. Verse 14, the men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside and people went to see what had happened. Well, of course they did, right? I mean, wouldn't you go to see what had happened if you just heard that, that this man came to shore and he, he met the, the urban legend, the, the one that we've all had such problem with and within two minutes he's completely different and, and oh yeah, all our pigs are gone. You know, they all committed suicide, right? Yeah, yeah, you're getting it. That's bad, I know, I know. But of course they went to see what had happened. So verse 15, they came to Jesus 
and saw the man who had been demon-possessed by the legion had been, had been, did you notice that? Isn't that beautiful? They saw the man who had been demon-possessed by the legion sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Of course they were. Of course they were afraid. They didn't know how to process what they were just seeing. I mean, what they were seeing was the powerful truth that, like I said at the beginning, no chain is ever too strong for Jesus to break and no one is ever too broken for Jesus to change. They're seeing that in front of them. They're seeing that lived out right before their eyes. Verse 16, the eyewitnesses described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. (laughs) In verse 17, then they, the people began to beg him, Jesus, they began to beg Jesus to leave their region. Isn't that just awful? Isn't that sad? They began to beg him to leave their region. Verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, Jesus was getting into the boat because Jesus is always a gentleman. Jesus will always do what you have asked him to do. I mean, in in terms of, of you coming to him or not. I mean, if you say, Jesus, just leave me alone, he'll say, okay, all right, you got it. Have it your way. Jesus will not chase after you and beg you, oh, please, please, won't you just, won't you accept me? I need you so much. Oh, please, 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 invite me into your life. No, that's not what Jesus, the Lord of all creation, does. Jesus presents himself clearly as the only choice for your freedom and life and purpose, and then he lets you decide what to do with that. They decided to send him away, and away he went. As he was getting into the boat. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed kept begging him to be with him. I'll come back and unpack that a little bit more in just a minute. Verse 19 But he would not let him. Instead, he told him, Go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And we see here Christ's strategy. Christ's strategy. And it's a simple strategy, really, but powerful in its implication, profound in its reach. Here's Christ's strategy. Uh, Jesus takes those he sets free and he sends them out to go find other captives to set free. That's what Jesus does. He sets people free, and then he takes those he sets free, and he sends them out to go find other captives to bring back to him so that he can set them free as well. That's always his strategy. Always. And we see it here as well. I'll come back to that also in a minute. Unpack that a little bit more. Verse 20, end of the passage here, it says, So he, the, the man who had been possessed, so he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, which is... Ten towns, that's what that means, the region of the ten towns. How much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Absolutely they were. Of course they were. They were all amazed. So, you know, looking back at, at verses 17 and 18, just for a minute, did you, did you see the contrast there? Did you pick that up, the clear contrast? I mean, first we, we see the sad Reaction from the people of the town. They began to beg him to leave 
the region. They said, Get, just, just go. Go. We don't want anything to do with you. We don't know what's going on here. We don't like what we're seeing. We don't like what, what we're, we're thinking is happening here. Just go. Please. We see the sad reaction on their part. And, and I believe the reason, I believe the reason that the people reacted that way, I think it's because they were afraid. They were afraid of Jesus, And that's why they begged him to leave instead of welcoming him, instead of worshiping him like the man was doing. And I think that it was because they realized that he, Jesus, was a threat to them. They realized he was a threat to them and their way of, of doing things, their systems, their lifestyle, their comforts, and their convenience. They recognized really quick he was a threat to all that. Because, I mean, if he could take the demon-possessed man and all of his craziness and all of his brokenness and all of his messed-up life and turn him into something else entirely, make him something completely new in, in, like, no time at all, if he could do that with that person, what in the world could he do with them, right? And whenever, whenever people without Christ are deceived into thinking that they are just fine the way they are and that they can be the masters of their own destiny, both of which aren't true. You're not fine the way you are, and you can't be the master of your own destiny. Neither will work. Neither are true. But when people have that mindset and they really believe that, then their initial reaction to Christ will usually be similar to the people in this passage. It all comes down to fear. all comes down to fear. It's a feeling of being threatened. And when people are afraid or they feel threatened, they often react with hostility toward the object of their fear, right? Right? Don't people do that? Of course they do. Of course they do. We, we all do that to a certain extent. You know, I mean, just humanly speaking, that's kind of our initial response. Defense. Hostility. And church, we need to understand that fact. We need to understand that that's where a lot of people are operating from. And and really, we shouldn't expect anything else, should we? You know? I mean, shouldn't we expect the unbeliever to act like an unbeliever? (laughs) We shouldn't expect anything else. And, And we certainly don't need to respond to their hostility with more hostility. That solves nothing. And yet it's so often the reaction on so many Christians. You know, uh, when I was younger, when I was a young boy, my cousin in Ohio, I was uh, as much as a young boy, especially this young boy, who many of you remember. Yeah, it's okay. You can laugh. It's all right. Um, when I was a young boy, I had this burden for my cousin in Ohio who, uh, who was unsaved. Knew he was. So I decided that I was going you know, to, to evangelize. I was, going to, I was going to give him the gospel. I was going to see him come to Christ. So I started off, hey, Kurt, I, I want to talk to you about something. Yeah, what, what is it? This was over a Thanksgiving holiday. So, well, you know, I know you're not saved. <laughs> Isn't that a great way to start? It's kind of like the skit guys, you know. I know you're not saved, and I just want to tell you that you need to, to just pray right now and ask Jesus to be your Savior. Tell him that you're sorry for your sins and that you give your life to him, Kurt. 
What? He said, what are you talking about, Chris? Kurt, you need to get saved. What do you mean I need to get saved? You need to get saved, Kurt. I don't want to get saved. Well, you need to, Kurt. I told you I don't want to. Leave me alone. No, I said. I'm not going to leave you alone. So we started arguing. I ended up tackling Kurt to the ground, and I had him literally by the neck. And I, I mean, I said, Kurt, get saved right now. And he said, okay, okay, I will. And I said, let's pray. <laughs> really, true story. And maybe you don't go to that extreme, but maybe, just maybe, how you come across might seem like you're doing that. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful in, in how we talk with and, and relate to the unsaved, it can very easily come across that way. To them with that level of hostility. Don't do that. Don't do that. And instead, we need to keep the conversation going back to the fact that what Christ did was to set us free and make us new, keep it personal, and, and that if Christ could do that with me, there is no way he couldn't do that with you. That's how we need to go about it. Hey, 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 I understand where you're coming from. I do. I get it. I, I, I totally see your perspective. But, but let me just tell you what he did in my life. Because what, what happened was I was chained hopelessly, mercilessly to, to, to sin. I had no way of getting it out, getting it off. No matter what I tried to do, I couldn't break these chains. But then when Christ came into my life, they just fell down. They're gone. And I'm free. And he's constantly making me not just a better person, not just a better version of me, but a new person. A new person in him. That's what he's, he's done for me. I, I just want to share that with you. Because he can do the same for you. That, that's how we need to relate to the unsaved. That's how Jesus did it. And then we, we just get out of the way. <laughs> we land the plane. We don't keep circling. We let the Holy Spirit then do the work in the heart. And we get out of his way. So that's the first example we see you know, happening here in, in verses 17 and 18. That's the first level of the contrast. And then secondly, thankfully, there are people like the man set free in this passage that really do recognize the power of Jesus and they personally experience the true lasting freedom that he alone provides. When that happens, they are never, ever the same. They begin to, to fully realize just how desperate they will always be for him. And they just can't get enough of him. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And all of that is the right reaction toward Christ. You know, this, this is something that we all have to ask ourselves where we are in relation to Christ. Is this true of you? Do you recognize how desperate you are for Christ? And if you've realized that at some point in your life, are you still aware of it? Are you still realizing it? Are you still knowing that there's not a single second of any day that goes by that you don't need Jesus Christ desperately for everything in your life, for your freedom, for your strength, for your hope, for your purpose? Is that true of you today? Well, and in, the, in verse 19, we saw that Jesus did something that, that we wouldn't expect, probably. When the man asked him to come with him, Jesus says no. <laughs> what? No? 
Yeah, he tells him he can't come with him. Instead, Jesus wants this man to go and be a missionary, right? He says, go into the ten towns close by and, and proclaim to everyone what I've done for you. And man, that would have been a story, wouldn't it? That would have been a story that got everyone's attention because the proof of a changed life would be undeniable. And people always take note of something that they can't ignore. Is that true of you today? Has your life been so definitely and dramatically changed and made new by Christ that somebody looking in on your life could not deny what has been done? Is that true of you today? And like I said a couple of minutes ago, this is what Jesus does. This is always his strategy. He takes those he sets free and he sends them out to go find other captives for him to set free. It's a simple but completely logical and, and brilliant strategy. Incredibly effective when we submit to it. My friend, that's what he wants to do with you if you are in Christ today. That's what he wants to do with us, the church. He calls us into his plan, his plan of redemption. And after we embrace that, then he, he wants to, to use us as his tools, as his instruments to break the chains for other people and to bring lasting change for other people like has happened for us. He tells us the same thing he, he told that man. Go, go and tell what I've done for you. Go and show everyone the difference in a life that I alone make possible. And as we hear that, as, as we really hear that, and as we decide to obey that call, Let's remember that his promise is that as we go, that's really what the Great Commission is, by the way, it's as you are going. As we go, he is always, always with us. He is always empowering us. He is always encouraging us. He is always guiding us. It does not all fall on our shoulders. The mission he gives us, that mission, go and find other captives, bring them to me so I can set them free as well. The mission he gives us is never a solo mission. Isn't that great? The mission we're on, the great commission, is never a solo mission. He is always with us. And man, that is some serious fuel to keep going forward, isn't it? I mean, if it were up to just you and up to just me, we wouldn't have much hope. We wouldn't have much incentive to keep going. But knowing that the very one who saved us, the very one who set us free and changed us is right there with us, using us as we bring others to him, incredible fuel for going forward. But now it comes down to a decision. What have you done with Christ? What are you doing with him? And what are you doing with the mission that he has set before you? Where are you in that? I'd like to ask everybody just to bow your heads, eyes closed, be in an attitude and a mindset of prayer. Please, nobody looking around. Don't be distracted by anything. Just make yourself quiet before the Lord. Let him speak. And as you're 
listening for the Holy Spirit, let me just just give you a couple challenges in the form of questions. I know for a fact that there are some of you, even one or two of you here today listening to this talk that you would have to honestly say, no, I have never given my life to Jesus Christ. I have never actually committed my life to him. Yeah, I mean, I've gone to church. I even know the songs to sing. I even know some of the Bible verses. I even knew that story. But there has never been a point in my life where I just laid it all down. I surrendered myself to Jesus Christ, embracing the salvation and freedom that only he provides. And you know that today. And the Holy Spirit has been working in your mind and in your heart as you've been hearing the word of God, as I've been talking. And you know that's true. What I want to do is just give you the opportunity to see the same change that this man that we just talked about saw, to see the chains of sin fall off of your life that you keep trying to remove and and it just doesn't happen. I want to give you the same opportunity. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't want to have you come up here and stand in front of everybody. What I want to do, though, is just ask, if that's you, if I described you, could you please just raise up your hand for me? I just want to pray for you. And I want to make myself available to you afterwards to talk and to pray in a more personal way way. Is there anybody that would say, yeah, that's me. You described me. I'm here today, but I don't know Christ as my Savior, and I want to. Anyone at all? Anyone? There's never a time like this time. Anyone? Okay, my second question is to you, my brother or sister in Christ. Couple things. Maybe, just maybe, you are the Christian that is struggling with that putting on of the chains again. You you know you've been set free ultimately by Christ. But either willful sin or guilt from the past, or maybe a legalistic mindset, any of those, maybe just maybe they are starting to wrap themselves around you again and you're starting to feel chained again. Good news, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's perpetual, that's ongoing. Because he paid for your forgiveness and your freedom, it's always available to you. You can always get back up. He'll, he'll break whatever chains you tie around yourself again. If that's you, if I'm describing you, I would like to pray for you. Is there anyone that would say, yes, that's me. I have to be honest and say that. Would you pray for me? Anyone at all? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Also to my brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe that doesn't describe you, but maybe, just maybe, you're just sitting on your freedom. Maybe you're not obeying the call that is yours and mine and all of us to go out and find other captives and to bring them back to Jesus to set free like he did with us. Maybe you're just sitting on your freedom and doing nothing else with it. My friend, with all of my heart, let me just say this, with with love and grace, that is sin. You are disobeying the great commission of our Lord and Savior. 
And the answer for that is repentance. And I would also like to pray for you on that way, if that's someone here. Is there anyone that would say, yeah, I've got to admit it. I'm just not doing anything with my freedom and my salvation, not, not with what, uh, what Jesus has called me to do with it. But I want that to change. I want to be used of him to go out and bring others to him. Is there anyone that would say, that's me, pray for me in this way? Anyone? Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God, for your amazing word. Thank you that it is always relevant. It is always fresh. It is always applicable. And it is always powerful enough to bring us to yourself in a new way and to change what needs to be changed if we will let the Spirit apply it. I pray that you would take the word that has been presented today and that you would apply it personally and directly in every way that is needed with every person that is here today. And specifically, I pray for those that did acknowledge that there's an area of need in their life. And I pray that that by your Holy Spirit, you would powerfully work and make the changes that are necessary. For the ones that said, you know, I, I am struggling with putting on chains of some form back again and I know I don't need to do that and and I know I'm free and I just want to remain free. I want to live in that freedom. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just work in their heart, work in their mind, work in their life and give them the courage to let go of whatever that is they're holding on to that's causing the chains to come back. And I pray also, Father, for those that said, well, that doesn't really describe me, but but yeah, I'm not really going out and I'm not not really bringing people back to him to free. I'm free, but I'm kind of just sitting on that, and I don't want that to be the way that I live. Honor that in their heart. Please empower them and give them very specific direction on how they can start making that change and how they can go out and and bring others back to Jesus. For all of this, Father, I thank you. Thank you that in Jesus, we all have the ability to be free and to be different. And it's in Jesus' matchless name that I pray.